This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And I'm BJ Thompson. And today, oh, well... I got excited. Uh, first of all, this is the Build a Better Us podcast, just in case you didn't know. But I was ready to get down to business, as you can tell. I was like, hey, today was, hey, 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 there's no games right now. I'm fired up. My bad. So this is the Build a Better Us podcast. And today we are talking about yeah. self-consciousness versus self-awareness. And oftentimes the issue for a lot of people is that we don't know who we are. We don't know our purpose. We don't know what we're passionate about. And sometimes we'll find ourselves in situations where we will be looking for some accolades, looking for praise or looking for someone to say, good job, John, in order to motivate us to keep going. But if we don't have self-awareness, if we don't know who we are, we don't have a title and things of that nature, you know, we can find ourselves being lost, looking for that acceptance, looking for those accolades in order to give us the motivation to keep going. Um, Hopefully I didn't give away too much. In that title. Oh no, you you you're good, man. I you know I, I think about for me, mm-hmm. I think about the experiences of just having nice shoes. There was a point in time mm. where you were marked um, as a child by mm-hmm. what kind of shoes mm. and garments you wore. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. True. Um, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Grew up in a black family because I'm a black American <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, grew up in a black community. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the ways that you were received had to do with the um, the quality of garment that you wore on your feet. <laughs> the quality of garment on feet. Huh? Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. right. And the value of those things. Right. So, for example, if you had a starter coat. Yeah. And it needed to be a real starter because they a were real. a thing called the knockoff. Yes. Yes. Knock, knock. That's right. Knock. Mm-hmm. Knock, knock. There were some mm-hmm. things called the knockoff that you can get. But it just essentially said, hey, you matter. You mean something. Again, mm-hmm. this happens in all kinds of culture. I was in Canada not long ago. The, what is it called? The Canada Goose jacket. <laughs> oh, okay. So if you're in Canada, from a Canadian, I'm, I'm traveling. Listen, I'm cultured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right okay. here. I'm cultured out here. Um, uh-huh. It's a Canadian goose, uh, but the starter jacket was a Canadian goose for black folks. Yes, sir. In the early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, man, I don't have the money to get this coat and my mama is not going to pay, you know, right. $100 to purchase this thing. Right. And so what she would do was she would take us on field trips to a place called uh, Pilas. Uh-huh. And in her attempt to try to get us some shoes, right, mm-hmm. she would say, which shoes um, are the most durable of all the <laughs> shoes, right? Like uh, Dorothy, mm-hmm. she'd say, which one is the most beautiful <laughs> of them all? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. And so we pick out a pair of shoes. 
I'd put them on and I would go to school and here's what I would hear. Roast. And what are those? <laughs> what are those on your feet, right? All right. And and what it did for me is it killed my self-confidence mm-hmm. and it made me extremely self-conscious, right? I don't know if you've ever had on something that was socially unacceptable mm-hmm. and you have to walk around with it all day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like you're trying to hide your feet, but your feet just keep showing up <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah. And so for me, my greatest challenges came around the fact that there was a level of status that I needed to have, mm-hmm. and yet all we had was the XJ900s. What are some moments in your life, JP, where you have realized that not self-awareness, but self-consciousness mm-hmm. has kind of ruled your behavior? Go ahead. Oh, man, uh, it still <laughs> is a thing sometimes, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I, I and as we talked about early on uh, in, in, in our podcast, um, I found myself in my professional career early on as the uh, the psychic, the professional psychic. You know, we've had that conversation, right? Uh, not psychic, that, but sidekick. Sidekick. Yeah. Okay, yep, not sidekick. I haven't but been a side chick. I've been a lot of things, but I ain't been a side chick yet. I, I don't know if that's an upgrade or downgrade. I don't know what direction uh, I have to tell my son one day. Son, I used to be a side chick. <laughs> I don't know if that would gain or lose respect from him. Um, but but <laughs> I, I probably have been a side piece or two. I've never been a side chick, but I'm pretty sure I've been a, a side piece. You for sure life. been a side piece. Right. Right. You for sure been a side piece. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. I'm no longer a side piece. Uh, so early on in my career, uh, in the music career that I once had, you know, I found myself in situations where I would travel with a certain person, and they like I literally was asked one time whether okay, so I don't I, name, is name dropping stupid. Like I don't, I'm not trying to name drop, but I feel like the the name do is it. important to this conversation. Hey, so, do whatever you, whatever feels good for you. It, this hey, is your show. No, no, I think it just, it just, it brings the weight of the conversation. It just makes it thicker. So we have a mutual friend. His name is Lecrae Moore. I used to be a road manager for him. And one time we were in Chicago and someone came up to me and says, hey, uh, you wanted Lecrae's disciples or something? You want his little disciples? (laughs) 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 And this dude was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've been watching him. And when he travels in and out of town, he'd be having his little disciples with him and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I was like... All right. Uh, this has never happened before. Uh, I'm a grown man. I'm not 15 years old. Uh, I'm not sitting at this man's feet after concerts and uh, trying to get the gospel explained to me uh, via, via the messenger of McCray. Uh, and uh, I was an adult. This was another man that I was like, Yo, I think I want to fight you right now, bro. I don't know how disrespectful this is because I'm not, I'm kind of new to this whole like, this, this world that I'm in right now. But I feel like that's this respect like you know what i'm saying like disrespectful go like like he might as well say you want his little bees you know what i'm saying like you know what i'm saying like that's in the streets where i'm from that's what he just asked me you know what i'm saying like like all right it's one thing to say are you the little homie or you you know what i'm saying a little brother or a cousin to be like you this man's disciple like i'm his armor bearer like i hold his you know what i'm saying like his i walk around with his bible on my head and when he gets ready to preach he just takes it off my head you know like i just i just felt all kind of disrespect right so in that situation, I was like, bruh, like, I'll punch you in your face right now. But I said, okay. I, just, I, de- I declined and I said, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm his road manager and uh, I make sure business gets handled on the road. That's what I manage business. 
while traveling. That's what I do. Okay. And so I let that slide. And But after that, uh, and for the years following that, being in the music industry, it was a matter of people wanting to connect with me based on my connections with other people, right? So they're, mm-hmm. oh, if I give this JP a demo, he can give it to Lecrae, or he can give it to Show, or he can give it to Dadashi, he can give it to Trip, he can give it to KB, he can give it to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so it was a situation where, like, I found myself being called upon by these guys that were great in their field because of my expertise and my talent and my skill set. But people that were on the outside looked at it as me being their 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 little buddy, you know, their little uh. disciples, their whatever. And so there was often times where I wanted to flex or I wanted to stunt or I wanted to, you know what I'm saying, spaz out on people to let them know that I'm a grown man, you need to respect me. Or I would do things that would indicate that I was struggling for significance, right? So I was mm. I was aware that I had a role to play. I was aware that people respected me for my skill sets and brought me alongside of them because they felt I had the talent that could benefit them, right? But on the other end, there was these people that looked at me like I was somebody's little disciple. You know what I'm saying? That I was wow. somebody's sidekick. Um, and so that basically, to this day, it affects me in ways which become real to me when I find myself in a situation where like, hey, I want somebody to say, hey, John, good job. Or they want, I want somebody to recognize me from a public platform. I want somebody to shout me out on social media for the stuff I'm doing when I just should just be playing the background and should be working unto the Lord and be happy that, that he sees my work and he sees my value and he sees what I'm doing. But instead, I want people to acknowledge me. There's scriptures about that. You know what I mean? So I, I find yeah. myself in that in that struggle. Yeah, I think there's a couple of ends to this thing, right? So mm-hmm. it's like it's the proving oneself, yeah. right? You know, so after the the whole debacle with the XJ nine hundreds, you don't know about the XJ nines, you, you don't understand life, yeah. right? You ain't, yeah, <laughs> this you, is, you ain't lived. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lived life. You say you ain't right. suffered. I'm, I'm gonna bring my pain. Yeah, and I remember the first time I got the, the my first name brand pair of tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was a stat, right? Um, yeah. I was overjoyed because now I could enter the place of social acceptance. Right. Right. Because social acceptance meant I was now bringing the things to the table that would give me credibility and equity in that world. Right. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. on one end of the spectrum is you do what you do in order to be perceived to be acceptable like the rest of everyone else. Right. So if that's using certain terminology or that's dressing a certain way, if that's going to certain schools or that's being acknowledged by certain people, that's the one end of the spectrum, right? But but here's yeah. the challenge about it. You have to keep it up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You you can never let it go. You you have to give yourself to wholesale embracing this thing until you come to the place of either you transition in relationships or you are no longer able to afford the things that would allow you to be socially acceptable, right? And so right, right. I call this the prove myself phase, right? Like I'm doing mm-hmm. it to prove myself. Right. It may not necessarily be something that I love and enjoy. Uh, it may not be something that I like, but I do it in order to not feel shunned or alienated, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one end, the prove myself. The other end is who am I spectrum, Um, Similar to your narrative, you know, I found myself being involved in so many overshadowing endeavors, traveling the world, speaking to people, kind of hanging on to the coats of others, 
um, in a way that really, you know, really was me just embracing the moment in the season. Well, I had this real sober moment. I'm sitting out with a board member uh, of our mm-hmm. organization and, you know, all the smoke is cleared and all the superstars have disappeared. And it's just me and him sitting at the table over breakfast. Yeah. And yeah. he looks me dead in my eyes, JP. This is no lie. Dead <laughs> in me. This is a true story, y'all. I'm, this is the safe place? Is this a safe place? <laughs> uh, if for me, it is. I don't, I don't know okay, what wife's going to say. Place, but, yeah. That's right. I don't yeah, know what yeah, wife's yeah. going to say. Right, right. But he looks me dead in my eyes and he says, after being with him for three years, he goes, tell me more about yourself. He said, I really don't know you mm-hmm. apart from the relationship that you have with such and such. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, mm-hmm. it totally mm-hmm. deflated me. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it made me realize that I didn't know who I was, mm-hmm. that I had gone so intentional about being connected to greatness that I didn't know how I was being made great. And right. this man, you know, who may have said too much, he was only merely acknowledging what I could not. And that mm-hmm. was, I was only confident in the things I was attached to. I mm-hmm. was not confident to who I was. Talk mm-hmm. to us about this idea <laughs> of JP, of being confident in what you're attached to. And how mm-hmm. have you seen it in your life or in client's life versus confident in who you actually are? Yeah, well, talk to us about that. Yeah, bro. I mean, it it's for me, I've had the fortunate, you know, I don't know, the blessedness or whatever word you want to use of kind of being attached to several things in life. So, my undergraduate degree is from University of California at Berkeley, um which is a I don't know, pretty prestigious university. Um, so I've got jobs off the rip of just having been there. You know, they don't ask me what I majored in. They didn't ask me my GPA. They didn't ask me, you know, whatever. They just saw that I was a graduate from this university and I must be all right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was immediately uh, given privileges and things that that come along with that. You know, I've, I've worked for uh, different banks with prestigious names. I just dropped names earlier for music artists I worked with. I used to work for Sony Music. And so a lot of my uh, early life, achievements were attached to these names or these household names or these brands that people recognized. And so that became who I was synonymous for being, you know what mm. I mean? I was synonymous with being attached to these, these names and not necessarily it being a, a platform that I, that I had for myself or a name yeah. that I created for myself or whatever the case may be. Um, and so there was, there's been plenty of times in life where my self-worth and my value was attached to who I was attached to. Um, good, and, and, good. and not right, right, and not um, attached to who I am or, or being satisfied with who I am, which is completely opposite of how I grew up. Because my mom had no problems with with hyping me up and 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 allowing me to Baby, believe that I was the Hercule, man. Hercule, 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 right, she's right. Hercule, Hercule. You like eating a whole turkey leg, and you were right. holding the arm out like Hercule, Hercule. Go ahead. That was yeah. I've seen that somewhere. Somebody has captured my story somewhere on film. Um, but no, nah, but like honestly, bro, you know what I'm saying. So like, my mom did a great job of allowing me to believe that I could be anything, that I could do anything, that I was a success or whatever, whatever. But as I got older, and I think like you mentioned before, some of these attachments to friendships or the opposite sex attraction or wanting to be something, I allowed you know what I was attached to or who I worked for or whatever agency that I was with or whatever uh, to kind of dictate my value for myself. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's an easy problem to have, but it's also an easy solution to be found in that, um, in a sense that to me, it's nothing wrong with with wanting to be affirmed or find value in what you do, right? Good. For a living or who you work for or who you work with. You know, you could be a, a coach or, or a therapist or somebody that does good work in communities. And so it's nothing wrong with being attached to that idea. But I think that if you find value in that alone and you don't know who you are, should I follow up with, and you don't know who you are, is that, is right. that the, right? That's right. That's um, right. You will find yourself having a psychological tie, a spiritual tie to things or to titles or to businesses or to personas that aren't reflective of who you really are. Um, and you'll be, you'll be lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you'll be, you'll be just, just wandering and dissatisfied um, when you're not getting the praise or the accolades or the, the attaboys or the, the applause or the, the plaques or the awards or the statues. Man, that's such a great perspective uh, is that there's great dissatisfaction when you don't know who you are. And I'll say, uh, I'll give you another perspective that happens when you don't know who you are. Sometimes you give get into environments that are so dominated by certain personalities through positions of influence and power that once you begin to acknowledge certain aspects of who you are apart from the organization, sometimes you'll have personalities that will redirect you either to take those efforts and put them further into that organization, right? Or people will use that influence to villainize and to demonize you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not ill-intended, right? It's it's their attempt to create structure, order, continuity within their organization and how it flows. But what ends up happening is we ascribe or we allow individuals in our lives to operate with the same authority as our parents, right? Mm, yeah. So in our household, when things are out of order, you know, if I had a culture in my, my family that says mama and father are right, with no question, guess what? Right. If I don't resolve that in my heart, that that's a season of life Mm -hmm. that I'm living in, and this is my parents doing the best they can, and then part of their health is to transition me to a peer, I then take that baggage, right, if that's not resolved, into my job, into my faith community, into my schooling, and then I give my professors, my spiritual leaders, my manager, that same type of power, right? So what happens when you get to a place where you've outgrown your manager Mm -hmm. and you notice that they then use that power to ascribe words that degrade you, Mm -hmm. that take your character and decimate it, right? If you're not self-aware, it will decimate you. Mm -hmm. If you're not self-aware, it will crush you. If you're not self-aware and you're simply self-conscious, it will quell you because you believe now that in order to operate as for who you are in this season, you now need to dial back on the things that make you who you are, right? And so this is one of the dangers of not having self-awareness and simply being self-consciousness. Self-consciousness sees all the things that are wrong and then tries to fit them into a categories where they'll be acceptable to people, right? Self-awareness knows who you are 
and then presents what's needed in front of people, right? And when you're able to do this in a work setting, in a faith setting, in a parental setting, in a family setting, now you operate with a full sense of dignity that allows you to see and experience more joy in a way that you would not otherwise been able to do so. What are some mm-hmm. ways you've seen self-awareness activate people, though they may have been self-conscious for a season? What's some ways you've seen self-awareness change people's predicament, JP? Yeah, I think uh, one of the most recent situations I've been a part of is um, I was volunteering with an organization and there were some people who were brought in to kind of uh, do some work that was kind of like a press, kind of like a press thing. Like, hey, look at these guys come build these things for these underprivileged people or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the people that work with them every day who are in the trenches, making sure that these underprivileged people are taken care of, aren't the same people who get invited to come to this press event, right? Mm -hmm. And so while everybody's inside partying and eating cake and taking pictures, the people that are there on a daily basis are outside taking out the garbage and doing all this grunt work that nobody else sees, that nobody celebrates, that nobody's taking pictures of, but because they were secure in themselves, because they knew the job that they did and that they didn't need the accolades of the camera shutters and the applause and the social media, they were able to carry on with their day-to-day doings and to handle the business that needed to be handled without feeling any type of way about not being in, mm-hmm. in, in Nassau's house, but inside the, the events where the cameras are being flashed and the social media was popping off. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so it takes a very strong person to know and be aware of the fact that they're not getting the praise and the accolades and the credit that they should be getting because they're aware of why they're doing what they do. They know that um, in this particular instance, I believe that maybe their faith led them to understand that, hey, I'm working not unto man, but unto God, right? And and as long as he sees me um, and understands my heart and knows what I'm doing this for, that brings me enough joy and satisfaction. But it's very hard to be five, 10 feet away from the party, from the accolades, from the, from the pictures being taken and know that, man, these people are going to get so many pats on their back and so many accolades to be that close to it and then to carry on with your business without it affecting how you not only deal with the people that you were working with, the uh, less fortunate people, to not have an attitude with them when you return back to work and to not uh, show your your, your behind and act a fool and get inside of there and demand some pictures be taken with you or demand, demand that people notice you, right? It takes really mature, developed people. And I respected them for that. You know, I really, it really put things in perspective for me to see like, man, you guys are really getting played right now, but you have a joy and a peace about yourself because of your self-awareness um, that this doesn't disturb you. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the fact that you highlight the fact that sometimes you can be robbed, that people can miscredit things that you literally have laid the framework for. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's easy for us to talk about this idea, especially as we get ready to wrap up, self-conscious versus self-awareness. But self-awareness is the painful ability to share the sobriety of who you are, good, bad, and ugly. It's owning it, right? Mm -hmm. Many of us will see things about ourselves and we, because we don't despise that or it's not socially acceptable, we don't accept it. We'll pretend it's not there, right? Or 
we will hyperinflate all the good things about ourselves, or we'll downplay the, the bad things about ourselves, or we'll ignore the ugly about ourselves. Self-awareness is when you can own both the good, bad, and ugly. And I think what it also does for you is it empowers you. So let's just say this scenario where you know there is a task that I want to accomplish. And in this particular setting, because they don't acknowledge my contribution, it hinders my capacity to expand the task, right? Yeah. Instead of letting the person in charge, then turn around and dictate how I flow and move. You know, I come to a place of sobriety where I realize, hey, this thing that I feel is a growing burden and passion. And instead of acting out in a way that creates frustration um, or you know, uh, this this whole idea of being in this scenario, now I then begin to act on that which I possess, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is part of self-awareness is knowing, hey, you know what? My time here has ended. I, I had a, yeah. a mentor who shared with me who was working, who was a part of a faith community. And he said, BJ, whatever needs to happen next, I believe that needs to happen without me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need to move on. You not need to move on for the sake of the organization. You need to move on for the sake of you so that you can begin to expand the thing that you believe needs to expand because you're aware enough that the season that you're in has ended. Right. And this is challenging because there is no right or wrong way to do so. And sometimes you need a little help. JP, what would you say for, for those who really need a little help? What, what would you say? Um, I think you should probably head on over to buildabetterus.com, um, okay. find you a life coach, and pursue a relationship with said life coach, which will allow you to activate those things in your spirit, man, your psyche, mm. your soul. Um, that will give you and help you guide you into self-awareness so that even if you have self-conscious issues or your consciousness isn't where it needs to be, they can help you grow and develop and become that self-aware monster that God created you to be and monster in a good way, like urban monster, like mm, beast, like, uh, right, like, that, that monster. Like I'm not yeah. here, I'm only here so I don't get fine kind of monster. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. And our job is just to help you become a better you so that we can become a better us. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today 
at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just these guys, you know?